Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome, welcome. I started doing that. I started saying welcome, welcome twice. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were saying hi, friends. You yeah, are you, still our friends. Just yeah, be, yeah. It's a new school year and it's like the, we wear, yeah, the as the school year's gone on, it's just we're so worn down. What, <laughs> what month it is, what day it is sometimes. I know. Oh. I know. I know it's been an interesting school year. And one of the things that we wanted to do with our podcast this year, obviously, is to continue to bring you guests and programs and, you know, schools that and individuals that are just doing things a bit different than what we have seen in the past. And one of those people I'm very happy is on today, Peggy Schaefer. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Thanks for having me. So Peggy, can you give our listeners Listeners, just a little bit of a brief background as to what a music therapist, board certified neurologic music therapy person does. <laughs> I just read that whole thing, which yeah, is like, mushed it all together. <laughs> yeah, it's a mumble. It's a lot of words uh, yes. to say something pretty simple. But um, yeah, so my training is in specifically in neurologic music therapy, which is looking at how the brain processes specifically rhythm. Mm-hmm. and applies it to non-musical intervention. So it really started from the ground up um, with Dr. Michael Tout at Colorado State, which I had the good fortune of studying with. Oh, wow. And he created a program and, a, and really a philosophy and theory that really works from the bottom up, looking at how the brain processes mm-hmm. non-musical information and then the equivalent of a musical information. So let me give you an example okay. of something that seems to sit pretty well for people is you know, when you're talking, what would be the musical equivalent of that? Singing, right? So what we're looking at in our research, and this is a a research-based approach, is looking at what parts of the brain are activated or utilized during a non-musical event and then, or behavior. Then we look at the cross, you know, the comparison model of what is the musical equivalent of that, which would be singing in this case, in this example. And then we look at the data and we look at how it's overlaid over one another. Are there networks? Are there areas that are using both? And indeed, in almost every circumstance, music and or rhythm specifically is accessing a wide network in our brain. So I spoke to a researcher once and he said, you know, rhythm is really brain language. Mm. So it is an incredibly powerful tool. And it started primarily with Parkinson's disease. So when Parkinson's disease patients would stop walking, um, have differences with transitions, going through doorways, Mm -hmm. medication wears off, he discovered that we could rhythmically entrain the body through metronome and through, you know, proper application of this to match the gait pattern of individuals with Parkinson's that was as effective as medication and helping them get through their stuff. Wow. 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 And so I started out working in the neurologic rehab. So I worked a lot with blast Mm -hmm. injuries from Iraq. I worked a Mm -hmm. lot with stroke patients, a lot of Parkinson's, traumatic brain injury, obviously, in Scripps uh, Memorial Encinitas and worked on applying the neurologic music therapy because it works so well in concert with your traditional physical therapy, speech therapy, and occupational therapy. 
So that's really where I started. But what really sparked my interest was looking at the movement differences of Parkinson's specifically, and then going to my private practice after I'd work at the hospital, and I'd see my friends on the spectrum and say, this is not different. This is the same. These are the same differences that we're seeing in these, quote unquote, neurodegenerative Mm -hmm. issues that Mm -hmm. we're now seeing in the neurodevelopmental um, area. And so I kind of took that, and and it's not just me that's done this. There are other practitioners Mm -hmm. that have done this, Mm -hmm. but I specifically wanted to translate it into um, the non-speaking community. Mm. And this is a huge area in autism specifically that is really overlooked and quite frankly, disregarded. And it became very difficult for me because I could see these movement differences manifesting Mm -hmm. so clearly in front of me. But our society and the way that the paradigm is, is looking at this as a behavioral disorder, right? Right. And I personally, this is my own personal opinion, do not (laughs) believe in behavioral disorders. I don't Mm -hmm. believe they're real things. I think they're Mm -hmm. a way to catch those that we can't define. Yeah. And as you guys run across this, I'm sure you get a lot of oppositional defiant disorder, Mm -hmm. you know, mental retardation, although Mm -hmm. now it's called intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of these terms, which I actually kind of want to get into about this presumption of competence issue, which we can kind of transition into here whenever you feel like it. But basically, I decided I'm not going to work in neurodegenerative anymore. I'm going to work in neurodevelopmental and I'm going to help these people. And one piece of information that I sensory motor, so movement issues Mm -hmm. for spectrum has come out with a statement that I think needs to be very well documented, which is one in five persons with autism are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Wow. For realsies, guys. (laughs) And I'm tired of people looking at this population thinking that this is a behavioral disorder Mm. and the science is showing us it is not. Right. Back in the day, schizophrenia was diagnosed mm. through glassed windows, you know, papered windows. Does that mean yeah. they put paper on it? Right. Mm-hmm. And so before Freud really came along, mental health issues were diagnosed through movement. They would observe them through shadow movement and diagnose wow. them based on the way they moved. Wow. So, yeah, that's really kind of my background in a nutshell. But using specifically the music piece of it is we see it so effective in Parkinson's. And I see so many carryovers in autism that I decided yeah. I'm going to take a lot of this approach and apply it to autism for their movement to help with their movement reliability. That's amazing. And that's something, I mean, definitely you're hitting the nail on the head. We see so mm-hmm. often behavioral disorders. We see so many IEP teams that want to blame behavior on a diagnosis or blame diagnosis on behavior. And we come up with these behavior plans that are one size fits all Mm -hmm. year after year after year and no progress is made. And and it's gotten to the point where we tell parents, if you've had the same BIP for years and years Mm -hmm. and nothing changed, there's a bigger issue here. It's not that your child isn't making progress. It's that they're not Mm -hmm. targeting the right thing. That's correct. And fortunately, what breaks my heart is these families and these humans have yes. been so traumatized and abused mm-hmm. into thinking that it's their fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, on a more, you know, psychological, emotional level, that is going to create tremendous trauma and attachment issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trust issues for lack of a better term here. Right. Like, can I trust you? Will you trust that I'm intelligent? Will you trust right. that I'm trying my best? And the assumption is that they are choosing to do this, which is where I kind of, I mean, I don't want to go too deep in the weeds in it, but 
the more behavioral approaches to things don't really sit well in my spirit because they're not defining the issue. There's an assumption that this is a choice. Yes. Yes. And this is a movement disorder. It is not a choice. They are not choosing to flap their arms to bother you. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, doing and, it and regulate. <laughs> right. Right. And by the way. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. The same thought of yeah. let me just almost bribe you with yeah. a sticker chart or reinforcement That's chart right. or award. That's and right. Let's do it because you're going to be so motivated by That's this right. one little token that you're going to do what I asked you to do. Mm. But yet for years, we've had this system and it doesn't work. And yet mm-hmm. because it doesn't work, this child cannot access learning and go years and years and years to the point where then we're in middle school and high school and now we're being told, well, they just can't do it. That's right. And you know what's interesting? What you just said is very interesting because I will tell students who come and want to observe or whatever, and they'll work in the, the public school system. And I'll say, do yourself a favor. I want you, every IEP you get, to how many times someone writes the word won't. Mm. <laughs> and so that powerful. will tell you their implicit bias right there. Right. And, you know, you guys haven't already notice like this is why I love Peggy I mean just the connections that you made and and you had come I've got to know you through through a wonderful client of mine and just even you can tell so much and you know these parents that come to you have you know maybe tried it all Mm -hmm. and you see so much because yours is a holistic approach Mm -hmm. which I admire and I wish more people would take it as a holistic approach behavior we've said it several times on this podcast what is it trying to communicate right and it's not just happening to have you know and you put the scientific spin on it Mm -hmm. Um, but this is why I cherish you because you can bring it for like and I just remember hearing you know all the things of that client that you that it took years for parents to know And you knew in one setting, right? And and I just wish, I mean, I wish there was one of you everywhere. We're working on that. We're working. I know, I know. know. So that's actually, that's a good segue. So I know obviously you have your private practice and something that you and I had talked about over the years that I'm so happy to hear you launched is your own school. Can you talk a little bit more about that and the need that you saw and why and where it is and the name and everything? (laughs) Sure. So our precious little learning center, we're calling it is called the imperfect place or I'm perfect place, whatever way you want. You can say imperfect or imperfect. It makes no difference to me, however you want. And it's based on a model of, or a theory based on disability rights. that started back in the eighties with Dr. Ann Donnellan. It's called the presumption of competence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in one of her most you know, popular articles back then, she wrote a phrase that I say all the time, which is called presuming competence is the least dangerous assumption. And what this mm-hmm. means is that you're assuming that an individual, regardless of how they communicate, if they can communicate, Or for a lot of our families, if you have a speaking child, it does not mean that what they say is what they want to say. Mm. And so this piece of reliability of communication gets kind of, I don't know, overshadowed by the behavioral part. And I decided, hey, you know what? Enough of this. These students, be them speaking, Mm non-speaking, typical, Mm -hmm. non-typical, I don't care. This presumption of confidence can apply to anyone with the understanding that every human wants, has the ability and has the desire to want to learn, think, feel, have friends, have relationships, have these basic needs met. 
And unfortunately, in our educational system and, you know, the regional center system and just the overall system, there is a belief that the assumption is that these individuals are not in there. Mm-hmm. And I have found it incredibly frustrating and disheartening to see how people are treated, um, especially in the differently speaking, non-speaking community. So my passion was to say, hey, come on, come all. Mm-hmm. Who cares about grades? <laughs> because right. these kids are put in special day classes. They are mm-hmm. not given any academics, mm-hmm. despite what this no. may tell you. They are not given anything. They're given IEPs with, as we've discussed, very difficult goals to me that are not goals. They are behavioral modifications Mm. to challenge a child to not be who they are. Mm. Yeah. Um, And they're not meeting the needs of these individuals, which are, they are movement disordered. Okay. They cannot move their bodies the way that you want. Right. Or they want even. Right. So I decided to say, listen, you want to go jump on a trampoline and answer some math questions. Okay. I know you're smart. Mm -hmm. You want to sit in a beanbag chair and do some drawing because that helps you calm down while we work through math. That's okay. You do that because if you aren't regulated and all of Mm -hmm. us, by the way, Mm -hmm. every single human being, you are not regulated, meaning calm, feeling connected to yourself, feeling proud of yourself. You cannot learn new information mm-hmm. and you cannot demonstrate that knowledge mm-hmm. because your body and your mind, sorry, guys, are connected. <laughs> I literally was going to say, yeah, you know how, you know, in the yoga practice and meditation, yeah. you know, it's the body and the mind. No, it's, it's very much the mind body. Like it is yeah. all connected and we've been treating it as yes. separate for way too right. long. So there's a something, there's a term called disembodied and embodied cognition Mm. and our educational system is based on disembodied Mm -hmm. cognition fully Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. from why would we be sitting in chairs like this right 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 one new education right it's it's based on the industrial revolution really yeah (laughs) well and you touched on something too that i want to bring it back to of you know having these individuals be who they are i had a Mm -hmm. conversation with the new client a couple months back And just talking to them about just their philosophy on their child and how they want their child to be educated. And as as simple terms as, you know, a lot of times IEP teams see a diagnosis of autism and they say, this child doesn't have eye contact. We need to have an eye contact goal. Mm. And the parents said, why? Exactly. Why? Makes no sense. Because we've decided as a society that it's a norm to look people in the eye, Mm -hmm. that if you can't do it, it's not normal. Why? Why is that that we've created these norms that we are trying to make these children fit into these holes, just as simple as something like that. And it really made me rethink because I mean, not that I've ever proposed this type of goal, but it's definitely been something that has been on many IEPs Mm -hmm. that I haven't had that second thought to be like, wait, Like, I understand that from a social skills perspective, that sometimes that can help with peers, but why can't we figure out a better way for them to be able to communicate with peers? Why does it have to be this way? Well, yeah. And what I would piggyback on that is who has the more flexible neurological system? Thank you. Yeah. Who's, (laughs) who's more, who can self-regulate themselves better? And why are the ones who Mm -hmm. are more competent than deciding for those who aren't? Right. In terms of, Uh, yes, in terms of their ability to do it. 
You're right. It's ridiculous. And it's upside down land sometimes, you know? And so why should I assume that this child who is differently speaking, you know, back to your eye contact thing, why should I assume that they're not saying hi? Right. They're saying hi right. In, right. in their own way. Right. Absolutely. It's that. And it's such a simple shift of the perspective, right? Of even just like the paradigm of what is education and knowing the roots of it, like you brought up the industrial revolution. I mean, that's, that's the 40 hour work week, right? It literally has nothing to do with it. I mean, in Europe, we were joking about this um, at the beginning of summer, but they just say, hi, Going camping, see you in September, like, and, you know, the memes you see of Americans being like, hi, I have a surgery at two, but I'll be answering emails by 4 p.m. Like, oh my God, like, it is, and it's awful. And I know, and that's why our tagline is where your shoulders can drop. This is is about, hey, parents, come here and relax your kid and you. We're not going to talk poorly about you. And that's part of our contract has family Mm -hmm. sign a commitment. We Mm -hmm. will not speak poorly of anyone in our environment, parents or children. And we will hold each other accountable for this because everyone is doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you're giving them that safe space Mm. to breathe, to let their shoulders. I love that. They are going to show you how stinking smart they are. Oh, and that's where it comes from is knowing the potential is there is knowing that this child is going to show you in their own way, not even talking about potential, but just showing you themselves in their own way. You just need somebody that's going to pay attention. And I imagine that's everyone at your school (laughs) that that would be bringing that. And so if parents wanted more information, where can they go? What can they how? Well, I'm not much for social media. <laughs> Personally, I get a little overwhelmed by it. I also am on the spectrum and I'm ADHD. And so I get overwhelmed by things too. So I have to also protect myself here. So I would recommend, so our entire like program, the way that you register, the way you demonstrate interest, the way you even get in touch is on our website, which is www.theimperfectplace.com. So you can sign up for our intake forms. We have two-part orientation for our families to take because we want to make Mm -hmm. sure they understand the philosophy Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. understand fully what we are offering. And we want to make sure it's a good fit. I don't want to be a harmful place for anyone. And then we do tours and we just make sure that it's a good fit for everybody. Um, We're limiting spaces to six kids for this first year because we want to make sure the quality doesn't suffer. So we're keeping it pretty low right now, but We still have some spots and enrollment is open year round because Mm -hmm. I, from a personal mommy experience, have Mm -hmm. experienced my school for my child falling through in October, November, and families don't know where to go. So Mm -hmm. enrollment is all year. I love that. Just those little things like speak volumes, right? I'm just like, Hey, you can drop in anytime. Yeah, no, and I it's love a that. homeschool technically. So I should say that. So our students okay. are technically enrolled in their own private affidavit, you know, private school through homeschool program. So okay. they are officially responsible. But I also want in our orientation to train families to understand what that really means. And it seems scary. It seems right. scary for families at the start because it seems like, oh, my God, I can't be my child's teacher. But it isn't that model. And I'll, I'll help walk you through that if you're interested in helping to understand. And, and you know what? I mean, the timing of COVID, right? Yes. I, I mean, so many people 
experience that it was forced upon them. And it sounds like you have a very different approach to it, but at least they know Mm -hmm. like some of it and then you can help them and guide them through it, which I don't think would have been as easy as it, you know, as pre-COVID, right? Um, Right. So that's wonderful. Well, as we wrap up, do you have a feel-good story from your private practice? Oh, good, good, good. Okay. I do. (laughs) So one of our students at the school happens to also be a private client. So I've also had some, depending on their age, right? And also boundaries, just want to make sure that's clear. So she is a student of ours and her mom told me that she went home the other day and typed to her mom. She does communication um, through typing. Okay. She typed to her mom, beep. And then she also said beep, beep to her mom. Mm -hmm. And her mom texted me and said, my heart is so full right now because when she says that, do you know how happy she is? And I said, no, I I don't. What's the connection? And she Mm -hmm. said, target drive up. And she loves going to Target. Kids love Target. And yes, and waiting. Who doesn't? Yeah, right. And waiting for their things. And what this young young thing had heard on all the walkie talkies is the deep sound. Oh my God. And so uh, my heart was full for them because I felt so good that this young girl who is so brilliant was able to go home and communicate with her mom that she was really happy in her own way. And we could all celebrate it. We could all understand how deep that was for her. Oh my God. That was really good, Peggy. That one was a really good one. (laughs) Hey, I got some mic drops every once in a while. I know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Peggy, we're definitely going to have to have you on again, maybe closer to the end of the year. And so you can kind of talk more about the program and some other feel good, but you know, we hope you guys, like I said, we're, we're trying to bring people that are doing the thing and doing it in just a slightly different way. And, and Peggy, I mean, you are at the forefront of that and you are our people. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. (laughs) Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we will talk to you listeners later on. Take care. Bye. Bye.